Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to Passions and Prologues, a literary podcast where each week I'll interview an author about a thing they love and how it inspires their work. I'm your host, Adam Sokol, and if this is your first time listening, thanks so much for joining. If you've been here for a while, so glad to have you back. Today's episode is an interview I did with Sangu Mandana, who is the author of The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches. Uh, It came out in late August. It was a very buzzy book on TikTok. A lot of the people that I follow in the book talk world have been talking about it all autumn long and you can absolutely understand why when you read it it's just oh it is so fun i really really loved reading this book Uh, it is a perfect like warm uplifting story there's a a witch who's kind of all alone and has this opportunity to embrace this sort of found family that they have and there's love and all sorts of stuff I, this time of year, love any type of book about a witch, but especially one that is uh, cozy and just wraps you up like a warm blanket. So we talk about that uh, in the second half of this episode, because the first half of the episode, what Sengu and I talk about is old computer games that we both enjoyed growing up. Uh, This was a blast from the past. Uh, We talk about different soothing video games that Sangu uses now to kind of relax and unwind at the end of the day. But we also talk about games that I haven't thought about in a really, really long time, like King's Quest. I don't know if anyone out there ever played King's Quest from the Sierra uh, gaming company, but it was this kind of point and click puzzle game where you would wander around trying to solve these puzzles. And it was really, really interesting. And it got me thinking about another puzzle video game And I'm just going to briefly talk about because uh, it's like a fever dream in my mind that this video game existed. And I looked it up. I'm staring at the Wikipedia page right now. It's called The Incredible Machine. If my brother is listening into this right now, I'm sure he will send me a text about this. But it was this game where you built these elaborate like Rube Goldberg machines to solve a simple task from like getting a pinball from one side of the screen to another. If you played any of these games, King's Quest, Incredible Machine, anything that we talk about uh, in this episode, send me an email so I know I'm not crazy because I just, it was when Sangu talked about like King's Quest and these different games, it was like having an out-of-body experience because for so long I was like, oh, I think I was the only person, or our family was the only ones who ever played this. So just let me know if you've also played these types of games. I'm deeply, deeply curious because this was such a fun conversation to have. Um, Okay. I want to give you guys a book recommendation before we get to the discussion. I am finishing up The Lido by Libby Page. Uh, The Lido is, um, buckle up, you'll be shocked. It's a nostalgic book if you've been listening to any amount of time to me. 
you know, how much I love him, a nostalgic book. But it is the story of a young journalist and an 87-year-old woman who they meet because this outdoor swimming area that the 87-year-old woman has been going to basically all of her life is set to close and be paved over so that a new kind of like apartment building can be built and they can kind of give a high-end gym to their new people coming in. And it's their fight to keep the Lido, which is the name of the swimming area, open. Uh, it looks back on the older woman's life and how it's interacted with this, this extremely interesting outdoor pool area, as well as the young journalist as she overcomes uh, panic attacks and starts to find herself as well as this unique friendship. Listen, I love a nostalgic book at any time of year, but just buckle up for the next couple of months because I will be giving you recommendations like this probably until the end of the year. That's The Lido by Libby Page. Highly recommend it. Really, really enjoying it. Like I said, I think I've got about uh, 50 pages left in it. Okay, uh, as always, I want to let everyone know if you're looking for book recommendations, go ahead and leave a five-star rating or a comment on any place that you listen to this podcast. Screenshot it and send it to me also at passionsandprologues at gmail.com. I also did a, a giveaway last week on my Instagram page, same name, Passions and Prologues, where I gave away a $50 bookshop.org credit just for people who commented on the post about what their passions are personally. I really, really liked it. It was a, a lot of fun responses. So uh, I think I'm going to start doing that on the podcast as well. So email me the things you're passionate about, and I'll pick a random winner once a month, and I'm going to send out a bookshop.org gift card to somebody at random who sends me in what their passions are. I want to hear from all of you. We've been doing this podcast for a little while now, and I'm interested to hear the things that you're passionate about. So again, shoot me an email either for book recommendations or let me know what your passions are at passionsandprologues at gmail.com. And I will pick a winner and announce it once a month and send you a bookshop.org gift card. Okay. That's all the housekeeping. That's all the fun stuff we're going to be doing. Oh, actually, one last thing. Be on the lookout this weekend. I've got a bonus episode for you with a very special guest, and we're doing something just a little bit different. So speaking of book recommendations, if you're looking for some additional books to check out this end-of-year season, be sure to check out your podcast app because this weekend is going to be a very special book recommendation episode coming on your feed. Okay, that is everything. I am so excited for you to hear this discussion with Sangu Mandana, the uh, author of The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches on Passions and Prologues. Welcome back, everybody. It's Adam. I am so excited to have this conversation. I am joined by Sangu Mandana, the author of The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But before we get to that, Sangu, what is the thing you are crazy passionate about that we're going to talk about today? So, I mean, there's lots of things, but I feel like, I mean, books is an obvious answer. (laughs) (laughs) But... But I think that, you know, the other thing that I love to do that has nothing whatsoever to do with my work is play video games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's probably the thing that I'm most into. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
we can definitely play in this space. So first question, um, do you remember, and I feel like, apologies in advance, I feel like this is going to like age both of us by our answer. <laughs> do you remember like the, the video games you grew up with or like the first time you were playing a video game? Like what was that first experience or the first game that you were like, oh my goodness, I am obsessed with this? Ooh, ooh. So this is hard, right? Because, you know, time and all that. <laughs> but... I'm 34, so like when I was a kid, the video games were fairly rudimentary Mm -hmm. in comparison to what they are now. And I mean, I feel like my first exposure to like electronic games was uh, (laughs) was Tamagotchi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which, I mean, I don't know, does that count as a game? I feel like it, it must, even though at yeah. the time you took it very seriously. Um, I remember that, like, I mean, I think everybody has this Tamagotchi, this Tamagotchi story, but just being so annoyed by the, its incessant needs. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. oh God. And yet somehow loving it in spite of that. But on like a more traditional kind of thing. I think my dad um, used to play a lot of PC games. So really, I think I first started playing them just kind of sitting next to him at the big bulky like desktop with the really bad graphics. Though saying that, looking back now, there are probably some games that would still hold up pretty well. like I know that we made our way through all of the the King's Quest games. Like I was literally the first thing I was going to say was how when you said PC games, I remember vividly playing the King's Quest games. I'm sorry, keep going. I don't want to cut you off with that. Yeah, no, 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 no. mind. No, but they they're so good, right? Uh, like my eternal sadness is that they haven't like remade them for the Xbox or the Switch. You know, mm-hmm. just imagine being able to like just walk around with your. Uh, with your King's Quest games. Yeah, so I played most of them alongside my dad, um, who made his way through them. And I remember he was such a methodical, like, gamer. He would, like, make notes. Mm -hmm. He would, like, write down, like, this is, like, this many, like, you know, screens to get past the desert. I mean, oh, God, King's Quest V and that eternal desert. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I think the first one I played all by myself was King's Quest Seven, which was, I mean, I think even now the graphics would hold up okay. And the story was just, even now I love that. Like it's still, I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it is just that good, but I still love that game. Yeah. And for people who don't know about King's Quest, like I feel like this is going to be a weird way to describe it, but stay with me. It's almost like, so I'm 36 and I'm, I'm like, we're like the, really the same age. So I, again, mm-hmm. King's Quest five, I think is the first one I remember, but like for people who are like, what are they talking about? King's Quest, it's a video, it's a PC game, but picture like, almost like if you were to watch the old show Blue's Clues, and this will make sense in a second, <laughs> I promise, where like, when you're looking at the screen, and I don't remember what the guy's name is, but he's like, do you see the map? And then the map would light up. So like, it's, it's almost like you would be on a screen in King's Quest, and you would almost, you'd have to solve like a puzzle, and you could scroll back and forth so far and like there were different things you could interact with by clicking and it was really like a point and click game where it was like if you're standing and there's a pot or there's like a, a fountain and a woman is standing next to the fountain and there's like a snake head that's golden like you would have to take the snake head over to the fountain and put it on a certain yeah. part of the statue and then the statue pours water and then you take that water and you take that someplace 
else. It's like this series of puzzles. And it is so like, I, honestly, you saying your dad is methodical about it. I feel like that's the only way you could ever beat those. I games. mean, I do think so, because I remember that when I played King's Quest 7 by myself, which was almost exactly like that, where it was a series of, it, you didn't get hints. You mm-hmm. just kind of, maybe occasionally something would sparkle on the screen to suggest that you should pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you just kind of had to explore. It was really, um, like you said, try everything. And it had a really deep kind of RPG storyline. Um, and I just, yeah, I just loved it. I loved those games. Um, I mean, there were a few others, but those are the ones that really stick in my head because I think they were really like, they came out and were, you know, progressing during the formative years of my childhood. And yeah, I mean, I just think such a shame that they don't like that they haven't. But I think Sierra, who made them, have kind of gone defunct. Yeah. I, I think so. And actually, randomly, there is a very popular YouTube channel that people may be familiar with called Game Grumps. And it's these two guys who they they play video games and it's like a comedy it's basically a comedy youtube channel but they play video games and they talk through the the, the video games and sometimes they'll do big long playthroughs of like the legends of zelda like the breath of the wild legends of zelda Mm -hmm. game and they'll it'll be like you know 50 episodes long where they do the whole thing but then other times it'll just be one of them playing a game just for a couple episodes and one of them was they randomly did one of the king's quest this was like a couple weeks ago they did one of the king's quest and i remember like when the guy was like i don't know if anyone's going to know what this is and like <laughs> they flashed on the screen and i was like oh my god this is the greatest moment and it, there was something about especially like so like we're, we're similar ages and it was when I was playing those games, it was before even like AOL Instant Messenger existed or anything. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I remember like I would have sleepovers with my friends who were close to me and, and we would just spend hours and hours. Like mm-hmm. you said, there were no like hints or guides. You were just clicking through or if we were playing um, like one of the first World of Warcrafts and it wasn't like the online connected version, you were just like playing a quote unquote campaign where you had to like, play yeah, yeah I, did you have like similar experiences like that where you would be staying up like late in the night playing these games or like, how did, how did I, mean, I think for you? I would have had I been, you know, allowed to, mm-hmm. but, but this was, you know, back when like there was one computer in the house. Like, yeah. you know, we didn't all have screens then. We had, um, there was the one computer. It was in my parents' room. So if I wanted to play games, I had to do it at a time that was convenient for them, which, you know, in hindsight was healthy, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I remember that when I would get into a game, even when I wasn't playing it, I would be like working out the puzzles in a notebook or Mm -hmm. thinking about like what might happen next. Or I remember playing, um, again, I played this with my dad, but we were playing it together. So we were both kind of at the same point. Neither of us knew what was going to happen. And it was called The Last Express. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was effectively like a remake of The Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Except it was a game and you were you were a man who gets on board this train at the last minute because a friend has asked you for help. Mm-hmm. And within and as soon as you walk into like your friend's compartment, there he is dead. And you have to figure out who killed him. Uh-huh. And there's like this incredibly colorful cast of suspects on the train. 
And I remember that I would spend hours at night, like trying to like work out the clues, like who could it be? Not once did we actually guess the answer, just so you know. And, you know, again, another game that I haven't played in ages. So I don't actually know if it's still a game you can play now. But I do remember that, you know, just just getting into a story and getting wrapped up in these fictional characters in the same way that I guess when you get really into a book, except you have that extra element of the interactivity. With some games, you can almost choose the Mm -hmm. way the story goes. I mean, obviously, <laughs> with all games, there is a certain like limit to how yeah. much you can you can decide. But I think that those early games kind of set me up for the fact that even now, when I want to unwind a little bit, I will pick up the Switch and play something. Depending on my mood, it might be um, often it's something cozy and, mm-hmm. you know, laid back, Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing just the usuals. Um, But sometimes it's like, I mean, I will say that my absolute favorite game of the last few years is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I mean, I don't think anyone needs an introduction to that. I think everybody knows. Yeah, yeah, it's just incredible. The storytelling, the voice acting, just all of it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I was was smiling at the beginning when you were like, well, you know, this really has nothing to do with with books when you when you first mentioned video games but in reality like especially more recent video games um there was one that came out a few years ago at this point called hades i don't know if you played hades at all um for people who aren't familiar it's this like calling it repetitive it's it's called a roguelike game for and it's just like you play these different dungeons over and over and over and they slightly change but it's all of the different greek goddesses and gods and like it's this interwoven story and i remember i was um i talked to aaron morgenstern who wrote the starless sea and the night circus and we were talking about this she loves hades and she's also a huge gamer and she if for anyone who has read the starless sea like there's a lot of gaming not like directly but interwoven because exactly what you said it's like there are all these games where even though there is some sort of a through line, you have to eventually get mm-hmm. to the end. A lot of these games, like I remember the first one I played that was like, this was Fable. It, like it let you make your own choices and you could yeah. determine if the character was good or bad or magical or a farmer or these different things. <laughs> yeah. And so like, you know, you mentioning even like, you know, you were saying that the typical ones like, you know, Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing, even those you as the player, like you're making deliberate choices. So even if it's like you said, to kind of calm you, I know that everyone uses those two games specifically to like (laughs) wind down. I imagine it does have like a a little bit of a connective tissue to your writing brain too, right? Like it's how you're picking and choosing. I think so. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I I, I don't think there's any doubt that there is something there that like, that, that triggers the same creative impulse. I think like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever been directly inspired by a game, but I do know that when I was that when I write my books, especially the very secret society of irregular witches, this most recent one, I was inspired by the sort of cozy, welcoming vibes of 
settings like the ones in Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley, where everyone is nice, everyone accepts you as you are. And it's all just, you know, low stakes. You go and you like maybe fight the occasional monster, but mostly you're just growing things. And it's just so wholesome. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, I absolutely feel like those vibes kind of made themselves felt when I was working on this book. So there is no doubt that the two are connected in some way, even though like in my head when I'm playing a game, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. And I think that like as a reader, I would say like that as escapism, I think people do play those types of video games for that escapism because our, like the world is not only like it's, it's very lazy to be like, well, our world's on fire. It's terrible. And everything's awful all the time. Like that, yes, that's partially true, but it's also just like, I feel like the way that we all intake news now because of social media, like mm-hmm. things are hitting us so fast that yes. it's like, okay, I want, I want an experience where this is why I've like, I've been finding myself leaning more towards cozy books lately, specifically mm-hmm. because it like, like your book, it just, like you said, like it, it felt like playing one of those games where I can like wind down and just be like, okay, this, this feels nice. This is a thing. Somewhere where, you know, you know that there's nothing's going to get you. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's, it's true, isn't it? It's just like, because of social media, because of the internet, which, you know, has done many great things, but also has had the the unfortunate side effect of of giving us access (laughs) to information 24 seven. And then kind of perpetuating the cycle of us feeling like we can't miss anything. We have to keep checking because what if we miss something? Big things are happening all the time. Yeah. And it's it's a lot. It is. And it doesn't, And you know, yes, like you said, the world is very much like it feels like things are worse than they have been. But I think it's also the fact that we are taking it in differently. Mm-hmm. We're taking, we're being forced to kind of, imbibe news and bad news at that um, in a way that I don't think we ever needed to before. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, yeah, not only is it a lot, but and it's like, like I said, I feel like that's why at the end of the night, people are so drawn to games like Stardew Valley where it's like, all right, I'm going to go fashion myself a stronger shovel and I'm going to go into the mines and I'm going to dig because um, we're recording this the, the day after the news of uh, the queen passed away. And it's like, all of a sudden, if you are going to be on Twitter, you go from like learning about this thing. Like I'm in the United States, you go about learning from this thing. And all of a sudden within like 45 minutes of scrolling through Twitter, people can call themselves like a expert on the Royal family. Cause they've scrolled through Twitter and all of a sudden they have a yeah. thing they know nothing about. Whereas like I said, at the end of the night, I'm like, what if I just went and did some mining for a little while? <laughs> yeah. We'll be back with more passions and prologues after this break. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And now, 
back to passions and prologues. What was kind of the, like the inspiration, like what made you want to write the very secret society of irregular witches? It was probably a bunch of different things, but I feel like in terms of like on the simplest level, what made me want to write that particular book was the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, I don't think anybody, we, we can just say it was 2020 and it, it, yeah. it just, the answer just writes itself, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we all know what 2020 was like. At the end of 2020, we'd been kind of eight months into the pandemic by that point. I don't think there was confirmation yet of the vaccine. Or if there was, it was still very early. Mm-hmm. And so it just felt like we were in this kind of apocalyptic reality where half of us were struggling with it and the other half were refusing to take it seriously still. And which, of course, made it worse in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And then... And I don't know, it was just, it was just a lot. It was a, it was a difficult time. And I just felt like I needed to be doing something creative that had nothing to do with the real world. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, because I mean, before that I'd written fantasy before I'd written things that had nothing to do with the real world in that sense. But I wanted something that was low stakes, something that was like the games that I was using to kind of unwind, something that made me feel fuzzy uh-huh. <laughs> instead of kind of keyed up and yeah that's kind of why I wanted to write this book and you know why witches I don't know I've always loved them I love magic like I love the scope you can have with a witch story like they can be like Hansel and Gretel the wicked witch who like gobbles up innocent children uh-huh. um I'm not innocent <laughs> they did eat part of her house, oh, her house. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then you could also have you know the nice witches the um, so I mean I love how much you can do with a witch story and of course it's a great metaphor for anybody who's a little bit out of the ordinary a little bit marginalized a little bit on the edges of society and I think anyone who's ever felt like they don't belong can identify with a witch in a way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, so I kind of wanted to do that as well, to create a story where anybody who has felt like they don't quite fit in finds a place where they do, mm-hmm. where uh, it doesn't matter who you are, you will be accepted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I know what you mean. I, I I guess I've never thought about that way, but you're so right about with which stories, like you do have this breadth of, like you said, it can be like pure evil it can be like all powerful or it can be like, uh, like compare your witches like, to, like to the Alice Hoffman, like practical magic, which is where it's like not directly like, Oh, they flip, they flip their wand or they make a potion in some way. It's mm. like, no, it's, it's like connected to the earth and like nature yeah. is different things. And it's just like, they just approach the world a different way. And you were talking about, um, the pandemic and how this, you know, it is, it was a little like escapism for you, but at the same time, like your main character does, you know, is it Mika or Micah? I pronounced it Mika in my brain. Mika. Mika. Okay. So Mika Moon is like, they are isolated in a sense. Like they feel kind of that sort of mm-hmm. like lack of connection because of how, you know, like infrequently 
the, the group of which is meets and all these different mm-hmm. things. Like I, I, I could see some of that. And I feel like anyone who wrote yeah. anything during like the same thing, I wrote a manuscript during the pandemic. It's like, I didn't realize it, but it's like, Oh, I like thought I was special by being like, so my characters are feeling a little isolated. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> we're all feeling isolated all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, yes, in spite of needing that escapism, it was impossible to not let some of the real feelings. I mean, I suppose in a way it was a good thing because it was also a way to process mm-hmm. those feelings of isolation and loneliness. Um, I mean, I was lucky, I think, compared to a lot of people because I was um, in lockdowns with my husband and my children. So I was never really alone, mm-hmm. which, you know, in some ways, <laughs> I kind of wished I was. <laughs> but, you know, so I was lucky. I did have that connection. But I think you don't realize how much we rely on a lot more, far more connections than that um, until you don't have them. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, it was it was a good way to process those feelings um, mm-hmm. of and obviously also to kind of draw on feelings of like yeah, feeling a little bit like an outcast, feeling mm-hmm. a little bit like I didn't fit in. Um, all those things just kind of <laughs> came into play. Yeah. So uh, along those lines, can you give our listeners a little bit of like a, an elevator pitch of the book itself? We talked about like what inspired it, but can, like, maybe just a little bit of like what they can expect when they when they crack the book and, and start reading the story. Yeah, I mean, so what I hope readers will get out of it is a kind of warm, cozy fantasy about um, a lonely witch who is um, effectively... Um, roped into becoming uh, the magical tutor to three unruly witch children. And in doing so, she kind of discovers a place where she belongs. She Mm -hmm. finds a family she's never had before. And she falls in love. And, you know, the stakes don't get higher than that. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so, like I said, it's so good. To me, it was... It's like a perfect book for me, like reading at the end of the night. Like I said, like it literally did feel like that unwinding that I, I like to do by like I said, playing video games. Like it's that exact same thing where like I'm laying in bed with my dog. I'm like, it's like a nice unwinding. Like it's exactly the type of story where yeah. it's, and it's, you know, getting a little cooler when we're recording it here in the States for me. So it's like, feels like that fall type of a mm. type of a vibe. And um, do you have, and this could be for video games or books, but do you find yourself being like a cyclical video game player or reader? Like I know a lot of people will read like more fantasy in the winter and, you know, types of stuff like that. Do you do that with either video games or books? You don't know, no, I don't think so. I think I'm more of a mood reader. Mm-hmm. So although, yes, sometimes I will find that I am, um, that my mood is obviously affected by whatever the weather is. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's what do I need right now? So do mm-hmm. I need something that's like a cozy fantasy? Do I want something that's like epic and, you know, adrenaline? Yeah. Um, but this is with both games and books. I mean, like, you know, when I played Fire Emblem, I, it's like some parts of it are a little bit cozy, but it's mostly quite epic. Yeah. There are high stakes, like tears were shed. Um, so, <laughs> but it was still something that I was just absolutely obsessed with. Like I played it for hours and hours. And then as soon as I was done, I went and did another one of the stories and I still play it now. 
even though this was like I first played it a little while ago. And I'm one of those people who very unfortunately like remembers everything. <laughs> so like I know some people can read a book or play a game and then a few months later they've forgotten most of it. And mm-hmm. I wish I was like that. Yeah, but I do unfortunately remember things. But even so, I still get a lot of like pleasure from repeating things that I know where I know what to expect. Um, like I'm still kind of making my way through The Witcher Three, mm-hmm. and I mean I love it, but it is a lot. Like it oh, is wow. a dense and um, and uh, you know lots of adrenaline. So again, I need to be in the right mood. Uh, and also I need to be able to sync the time in, which is, <laughs> which is hard to do. I mean, it's not like Stardew where you can pick it up for half an hour and then put yeah. it back down. <laughs> yeah. And I remember just, I don't know. I mean, I think it just it is very much the mood. I remember being like sometimes and like there's just nothing quite like the feeling of finding the exact thing you need mm-hmm. at that moment. Like I remember feeling that with, fantasy life on the 3ds mm-hmm. again another game that for some reason nobody has remade um, but it's like it, it's a bit slow it's a bit clunky but it's just this low stakes fantasy story in which you can be anything like you could be a baker and like you can level up your skills by just cooking a lot of things yeah you can be an alchemist and level up by gathering ingredients and making different potions and there is a story but mostly it's just a fantasy life like you're mm-hmm. in a fantasy kingdom and you choose the life you want to live and i remember that that was exactly what i needed when i discovered it and it's just the best feeling i get that with books too sometimes and especially now i think with so many people moving towards cozier fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become a real kind of subgenre, And I think it's been great to be able to like, just go on TikTok and you can find like eight different recommendations for uh-huh. cozy fantasy. And I'm like, yes, I will read them all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what you mean about that. I was mentioning like Zelda, Breath of the Wild. I, I feel like I did that same thing where like, obviously there's a massive game there, but I also would, like sometimes I'll log on and I'd be like, I'm just going to climb this, this side of this mountain for an hour yeah. and sit up here and jump off of it. And like, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And, and the other thing I think I love about video games from when we were kids is I remember like going to like Blockbuster, like a place where you would, you know, rent video games. And because the internet didn't exist in the way it did like you would just discover stuff that you Mm -hmm. knew nothing about because we were kids and I remember the first time you know thinking about like Fire Emblem and like action slash like role-playing type games it was um, Mario RPG I don't know if you ever played (laughs) yeah I remember discovering that and like what is this weird game who Mm -hmm. are these weird yeah and like but it was it was just like like you said, it was exactly what I needed in that moment. Yeah. And you don't even realize it's what you really needed until you start doing it. And you're like, oh, this is exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yes. Like you said, like when, when things weren't as easy to, um, to find as they are now, it was very much just discovery and just trying things out. Yeah. And I remember that You know, I mean, they say that you shouldn't judge things by their cover, but I remember that if the cover art of a game was incredible, there was a good Mm -hmm. chance I was going to try that game. Oh, yeah. And not only that, like, I remember when we were, like, really, really young, like, I first discovered um, 
like Mega Man. I don't know if you ever played like the Mega Man games, but like <laughs> the, the best was when, and people who are a little bit younger listening will have no idea what we're talking about. Like there would be cover art that looked nothing like the game. Nope. That had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Honestly, I will put a link in the show notes for people just so they can see the original Mega Man like cover it's this like real human being with like these like yeah. power packs on and then you open it up and there's this little sprite with this little like shooter on his hand but it was such a good game but you're absolutely right like people who say don't judge something by its cover whether it's a book or a video game like that's just we're going to like honestly yeah, we are we are we're we are absolutely going to, going to. Yes. And the thing is, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will find that it matches up. I mean, you know, it's they still do it though. Like I've been scrolling through the Switch, like the store, and I will see like little thumbnails with incredible art, and I open it up to see what the game is about, and it's like, oh, this little sprite on a platformer. I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> that's a bit deceptive isn't it that's, I mean it's not to say that I don't enjoy playing these games it's just that when I see the art I just mm-hmm. expect it to be like that um but yeah so we do we do judge things by their covers but, but you're right about it but it's the same about books too because like when people see the cover of your new book like I think there's this way that with book jackets you can they're designed in such a way where like they'll see yours in the book. Oh, this is like a cozy fantasy type of a book. Like it has that look, but then it goes a step further with the art where it's like, it also, it has to instantly show you like the type of genre. And this is happening with like, you know, it's like a mystery or thriller. It's going to be like dark black with like thin writing. And it's going to be like, you know, or it's going to be. If Probably it's like, have a house with a, with one lit window. That exactly. Yeah. Or if it's like um a young adult romance like that, there's that new, like almost like not cartoon, but like graphic-y look where it's like mm. not an actual person. And, but, but what they have to do is they have to show you, like, I love the cover of your book because it shows you like, okay, it's kind of like a cozy type fantasy, but also catches your attention. Like it has to do both things. Instantly. Yes. It is a very hard thing to do. Like I am very glad I'm not in charge of covers because it is not in my skill set. It is yeah. a, it is an incredible marketing feat when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know that lots of authors, like we all want to love our, covers and you know I loved mine but I do know that there can be times when the cover isn't what you hoped it would be but I feel like even in those cases that we just kind of need to trust that the person who designed it knows what they're doing yeah unless of course you have a you know experience in market but I do not I do not have experience in marketing or covers so I just trust that people know what they're doing because it is an incredibly difficult thing yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, two more questions for you. One is one that I ask everybody, but the other one, what is, I'm just, and you might not have an answer, and this is like a terrible question, but do you have a favorite video game of all time? Oh, you mean there? I know, um, I'm sorry. I know, I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I feel like this is like an impossible question. Or like one that... I mean... It's really hard to do of all time because like, how would I measure that? Is it a game that I still play? Because obviously there are games that are inaccessible now that I did love. Or is it like a game that, so I mean, I don't know, probably like a tie between King's Quest VII because it was the first game that I really played by myself properly. Or like Fire Emblem because it's the game I've put the most hours into. Or, you know, Stardew because it's the one that I just come back. I I don't know. 
These are all fair answers. I put you on the spot with a literally impossible question. It's, it's hard. It's the same thing people ask me what my favorite book is. I just forget books exist altogether. Just like, mm, book. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I imagine as an author, you get that too, because when people learn that I am in the book world and I've been doing like book podcasting and book recommendations for literally a decade, they're like, so what's a book I should read? And then I just freeze. It's like the equivalent of when people hear someone's a comedian, they're like, tell me a joke. Like, I literally freeze and I either offer the same like two book recommendations that I've recommended <laughs> for like eight years, or I'll just be like, I'll throw like 50 at them. And I'll be like, I don't know, are any of those good? But I haven't described them. I've just said the yeah. name books. <laughs> yeah, the one I have to do, like every time when I get asked this, like outside of like, you know, like a professional context when like a friend or somebody asks me, I always say, Oh, I'll make you a list because there's no way I can think of anything. Yeah in the moment i have i'm yeah. doing this thing on, on the podcast and it's 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 in the intro i always mention and i tell everybody like if they send me an email at passions and prologues at gmail.com with the email address and they just show me that they left a review of the podcast because i was people find us like if they do that i've been telling everyone i'm like i'll give you a customized book recommendation but what i'm really doing is giving them like eight customized book recommendations because <laughs> i'm like oh and then this one oh and like as soon as i start thinking about it because i can do it like yeah like, type them but i in real time i just panic it's just gone all books are gone yeah so I will. So you're going to hate this next question, but along those lines, I always end by having <laughs> the person I'm talking to give a recommendation of any kind. It doesn't have to be a book. It can be, it could be another video game. It could be uh, a TV show. It could be a, co- a type of coffee you're loving. Just like a recommendation of something that you really like that you think people should be checking out. Oh, um, I do think that um, if anyone can get their hands on a Nintendo 3DS, that everybody should play Fantasy Life because it is just incredible. And it's because it's older and, you know, still only on that one platform. It's it, it's not something that I see talked about a lot. So, mm-hmm. yes, everyone should play that. But for books, I will think of a book I recently read and loved, Metal and Bone by T. Kingfisher. So, so good. So good. I mean, did you find, like, weirdly, that even though it has some heavy, dark themes, it was strangely cozy? Yes. Like, it, how? It, <laughs> so for people who, and I might have even, like, put this in a recommendation at the beginning of one of my episodes, I don't remember, but, like, for people who have not read Nettledo by T. Kingfisher, it's, it is, it's like this super dark fantasy where, like, literally the premise of the book is this woman is trying to avenge like the deaths of her sisters by murdering a prince. Like that's, that's not a spoiler. That's basically the beginning. And yeah, but like, despite that, it's like the cast of characters are so funny and cozy as they're like going through these different situations where they're like basically either saving lives or taking lives. I'm just like, Oh, you guys, it's, I know it's just adorable. Like it's Mm -hmm. so funny and so warm and the characters are so lovable. And yet at the same time, the themes are pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, there's a book, I'm trying to find it in real time. I think it's uh, Kill the It's Kill the Farm Boy by, Ooh. I want to make sure I get the, it's Kill the Farm Boy by Delilah S. Dawson. It's the first in this series of the tales of Pell. And it's almost like, um, like Monty Python meets like, like the last unicorn meets like a yeah. book metal and bone where it is it's like it's 
pretty, it's very funny and it's pretty like, um, they're trying to like save their, like the realm that they're in, but it's like, I think there's like a talking chicken or like a evil donkey and like these characters and it's the same thing with metal and bone where there's like I'm trying to remember the characters. There's like a nun. I think there is like yes. a chicken with a demon. She, in the it. main character is a nun. There's a witch, um, but she's like a necromancer specifically. Uh, there's a fairy godmother. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I love it. It's incredible. But yes, I have not read um, Kill the Farm Boy and I will put it on the list because that sounds fun. You would like, I think you'd like, and if you're a fan of audiobooks, I would listen to the audiobook. It's a pretty mm-hmm. good, like, the characters all have very distinct voices. But yeah, Nettle and Bone by T. Oh, by T. Kingfisher is so good. Delightful. Well, this was such a fun chat, and, and I will make sure, obviously, I'll have a link in the, the show notes for the Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches because it's so wonderful. I just, I can't say, like I said, I told you before we started recording, like I've spent the last two weeks recommending it to everyone I come across. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Passions and Prologues is proud to be an evergreen podcast and was created by Adam Sokol. It was produced by Adam Sokol and Sean Rule Hoffman. And if you are interested in this podcast and any other evergreen podcast, you can go to evergreenpodcast.com to discover all the different stories we have to tell. I'm Sarah, the Paper Nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, The Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.